There are many ways to work the 12 steps in recovery. What has been your experience with the steps? Welcome to episode 405 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Barbara, Jennifer, Aaron, Megan, Marsha, Leslie, and Elizabeth. They used the donation button on our website. Thank you, Barbara, Jennifer, Aaron, Megan, Marsha, Leslie, and Elizabeth for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Before we begin, we'd like to state that in this show we represent ourselves rather than any 12-step program. During this show, we will share our own experiences. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer. I am your host today, and joining me today is Karen. Welcome to The Recovery Show, Karen. Thank you, Spencer. I'm glad to be here. You brought a couple of readings for us on this topic of working the steps, so we'll start with how Elanon works, page 43. I'm going to start at the beginning of the first paragraph on that page. Taking the steps is an ongoing learning experience in which every action brings us to a new awareness of ourselves. Even our mistakes offer great riches because they can lead to meaningful insights. In this sense, every attempt we make to follow the spiritual path is a positive one, and we can't make a wrong move. This is fortunate since taking the steps is neither a simple nor straightforward process. In fact, much of the time we simply muddle through. Although there is no single way to approach the steps, many of us have found it beneficial to take them one at a time in order. Each step builds upon the previous one. Many newcomers, impatient for change, try to take all the steps at once or attempt to skip directly to what they consider the action steps. But all of the steps are action steps, and each one has a crucial role to play in the process of recovery. It may be helpful at first to learn about the steps in general, and then to concentrate specifically on the first three steps, beginning with step one and applying them to our lives as best we can. With a solid grasp of these early steps, we establish a firm foundation on which to build a new and more satisfying way to live. After a while, we try to understand the steps in greater depth. Hoping to grasp their wisdom, we read about them, think about them, write about them, talk about them, and listen to what others have learned from their explorations. We ponder the individual words as well as whole phrases and try to discover how they might apply to our particular circumstances. And then we plunge in again doing what we think the particular steps suggest. We may take a step quickly, only to return to it again and again, or we may spend years meditating and exploring a single step. Whether we embrace these concepts wholeheartedly or resist them with vehemence, any honest response helps us to grow. As time passes, we find that our understanding of the steps changes and may even contradict earlier interpretations, for we continue to grow and to change. Gradually, we discover a richness and a depth within their words that we had never suspected. We come to realize that we have experienced a spiritual awakening, and we know we will never again be the same. We've embarked on an extraordinary, potentially life-changing spiritual journey, the journey of recovery from the effects of alcoholism. Every step we take on this journey moves us toward becoming more fully the men and women we are capable of being. Though we needn't wander aimlessly, struggling on our own without direction to find our way. Alan's 12 steps show us the way. Through the steps, we can fill that empty place within us where loneliness and pain reside. We come alive in a way we never experienced before. 
we realize that we belong and that we are loved. I love this reading, which I just found this morning, because it, it talked about the, some of the different ways that you use the 12 steps. And that was one of the reasons why I suggested the topic. I had a couple of experiences with people who stated vehemently there was one way to work the 12 steps. And there isn't one way, as yeah. this reading said. Yeah. And as I think our mutual uh, or individual experiences bear out, there's so much in here I need to grab my highlighter. I haven't read this these paragraphs in a long time. Each step is important. All of the steps are action steps. I don't remember reading that. I'm pretty sure I read this because when I got this book, when I was first in the program, I'm sure I read it cover to cover. But all of the steps are action steps, even the ones that don't maybe look like they have action. What I like about this reading also is that it defines... I think without using the words working the steps, it says this is what working the steps is, that there's lots of different ways. To, does it actually say working in there anywhere? I don't think it does. It talks about taking the steps, approach the steps, learn about the steps in general, concentrate specifically on the first three steps, applying them to our lives as best we can. I think that's the definition that I give for working the steps, is coming to understand how to apply that step in my life. But yeah, I don't see the word working in this section at all. No, I think you're right. The Al-Anon opening before the steps, it says study of these steps is essential to progress in the Al-Anon program. The principles they embody are universal, applicable to everyone, whatever his personal creed. In Al-Anon, we strive for an ever deeper understanding of these steps and pray for the wisdom to apply them to the, our lives. So this one said study and then apply them to our lives. So again, the word working isn't in there at all. It's interesting. Yeah. One of the other things that came up for me in this reading was that the reason to do these steps is to have a spiritual awakening. Right. Which is what step 12 promises us. Exactly. So as long as you have a spiritual awakening, there's no wrong way to do it. <laughs> Although sometimes whether one has had a spiritual awakening is not obvious. Um, yeah, and that's some of the frustration that I have with some of the meetings that I attend. They try to do the best they can by saying, we do the step of the month. And they'll have somebody volunteer to do a meeting on the step. This one particular meeting, which I went to for a long time, finally got to the point where the people who were running the meeting had never worked the steps, but they're leading a meeting on the step. <laughs> and they're saying they've never worked it. And their interpretations are like not consistent with my understanding. And I think it's because they hadn't actually applied it to their life. But also everybody's understanding, even if they have worked it, may be different from mine or yours. I do find working in this book, Paths to Recovery. If you haven't looked at the book, there's a chapter for each step. And then at the end of the chapter, there's some questions, and the section with the questions is headed working step, whatever it is. I'm looking at working step 12 right now. This was not available when I came into the program. When I came into the program in 1988, the only books we had were ODAT and the 12 and 12. And it was an old 12 and 12. It's been revised. That's interesting. You also had a suggested reading from Hope for Today. Yes, page 319. And I like this reading because it gives an example of how one person uh, applied the 12 steps to their life. 
My sponsee and I were discussing how angry she was at having grown up in an alcoholic family. She asked me how I overcame my anger so I could have a loving adult relationship with my mom. To explain, I took her on a mini journey through the 12 steps. First, I admitted I was powerless over my childhood. The survival skills I had developed made my adult life unmanageable. Second, I came to believe that only my higher power could show me how a healthy adult behaves. Third, I made a decision to notice the people in the situations my higher power put in my life to illustrate healthy behavior. Fourth, I inventoried my attitudes and actions that hindered me from having a better relationship with my mom. Fifth, I admitted to God, to myself, and to my sponsor that my anger for my past prevented me from accepting the love my mom was able to offer today. Sixth and seventh, I became ready to have my defects removed, and I humbly asked my higher power to do so. The next step was easy because I already knew my mom belonged on my A-step list, and I wanted to make amends. However, the ninth step presented a challenge. Wouldn't I injure her by dredging up the past? Instead, I decided to change my behavior by accepting her love and loving her in return. Tenth, I examined my behavior every day to see if my actions stemmed from old patterns. Eleventh, I asked God to make me a more loving person, which I believe is his will for me. Twelfth, I began carrying this message of healing by sharing my experience with others and showing how I broke out of old cycles by living the steps one day at a time. Thought for the day. The 12 steps provide ways to live a new and different life. They help me to know myself from living today in Malatine, page 281. And I love this reading because it illustrates what I've been doing most recently with the steps as I've been using it to solve problems in my life. It took me to a new level and it helped me to solve the problems that I had. The first one is about the pandemic. At one point in the pandemic, I became obsessed with reading and understanding things. And then I would really, I wouldn't be able to go to sleep. And I finally had the idea to, to get rid of that loop of thinking by applying the first three steps while I was lying in bed trying to go to sleep. So I asked myself what I was powerless over and what way was it making my life unmanageable. And obviously I was powerless over the pandemic and powerless over what other people were doing about the pandemic. And it was making my life unmanageable because I wasn't going to sleep. And I got to step two and I had a little hiccup. I was like, but doesn't, couldn't God have stopped the pandemic? But I finally went back to the reading of the second step which is that that I'm asking God to restore me to sanity, not anything about other people or events. So I had to allow God to take that power over me, which is step three. And usually then I was able to go to sleep. And this process has really helped me fine tune my understanding of my higher power. The um, other example I want to talk about today is a fight that I had with my husband a little over a year ago. The fight ended that day with us basically agreeing to divorce. It happened just as he was leaving for a a several-day trip. I spent the first couple of days feeling self-righteous and looking for an attorney. And then I calmed down and I decided to write out my understanding of the fight so that I understood what had happened. And then I finally started applying the steps. And I wrote out the key questions for each step about what had happened. When I got to steps four and five, I was able to see my part in things, which I had made fun of him, which I've never done before. I don't know why I did it. And I certainly wasn't very proud of having done that. So then I knew what I had to work on and what I needed to make amends for. I made a call to an Al-Anon friend, told her the whole thing, the application of the steps. And it was so weird. 20 minutes later, my husband walked in the door. 
for the first time ever, I actually did a step nine and I asked him what I could do to make amends. I'd always been thinking what I could do to make amends. I'd never asked. I was trying to think about why I hadn't asked. And I think I was always afraid of what somebody would ask me to do. I can feel that. Yeah. (laughs) And he said, when I asked him, he said to not do that again. I was like, oh, that's what I was going to do anyway. And we never took the divorce anywhere. We got back together. And it's so funny that I have no memory of what we were arguing about. Hmm. Just the process of the steps and how it helped me see what I could do. So the steps really helped me work through this difficult problem. Yeah. Uh, It could have led to a life-changing event. And it helped us to come together. I love that example. I have talked in previous episodes about how I use the steps on events, on situations. Sometimes it's five minutes to go, what am I powerless over? I can ask for help. I will ask for help. Let me take a look and see what was really going on with me when this happened. Why was I angry or why was I acting in some particular way? I may need to share that with somebody else, depending. And then I can ask for help to change and make a commitment to change. Six and seven, make amends if appropriate. And sometimes it takes longer than that. Sometimes it can take days or weeks to really understand what was going on with me, because that's what I can do, right? That's what the steps encourage me to do is understand what's going on with me and then to identify potentially places where I want to change and then do something about it. So I love the example. I love the specificity of the example. And when you said you couldn't even remember what the quarrel was about, the the thing that popped into my mind is the slogan, how important is it? And that is so key sometimes, especially in personal relationships, that something can seem just overwhelmingly important in the moment and in retrospect it's totally not at all right 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 i want to go back and i want to ask when you worked through the steps the first time what was the process you didn't have this literature this wealth of literature that we have now what did you use did you have a sponsor guiding you there were a couple things we had the 12 and 12 right And and I would go to step meetings. To me, going to a step meeting and and thinking about how it applies to your life is one way to work the steps. And then when I would bring my problem to my sponsor, she would help me see what steps applied and how to think about it in that way. I don't have the Al-Anon 12 and 12 on my shelf. It's not something that has been emphasized in my local meetings nor from uh, my sponsor. I think... That may be partly because of the later literature that came along, and particularly that book, Paths to Recovery, which, as I understand it, you heard somebody say in a meeting, it's the only way to do the steps, which it's very nice and directive and works for me, I think works for a lot of people. But as we'll hear, I think, in some of the listener shares, is not the only way, and it's not the way that everybody has done it. Yeah, and I have two stories about what happened. So I heard tw- twice in two different meetings, different people who don't know each other, each said that there's one way to work the steps, which is using past recovery with a sponsor. I love the reading from the How Alan on Works page because it directly addresses that. It says there's yeah. lots of ways to work the steps. Yeah. But luckily in both situations, someone spoke up and said, no, there's not just one way to work the steps. 
And in one of those cases, the person who had said there's one way to work the step later came to me and said, what did you mean there's not one way to work the step? Which I'm glad she felt able to ask me that. Yeah. And so I explained a little bit. And I didn't think about it at the time, but when Al-Anon was founded, people worked the steps back then. We didn't have any of the literature. They yeah. used AA literature. And so I told her that there's lots of different ways, and I explained a couple of them. She came to me like a month later and said, I'm so glad we had that conversation because I'm working with a sponsee, and she really can't do those questions in to Recovery. And because we had that conversation, I felt okay to think of another way to work with her. And we're going to have some ideas about other ways to do that. In fact, let me start with this voicemail from Patrick. Hi, Spencer. This is Patrick from Atlanta, Georgia. You asked about working the steps and what it means to me. When I first got into Al-Anon, I heard about working the steps and I read them and they seemed pretty easy. And so I breezed through steps one, two, and three, and I got to step four. And as a good unrecovered Al-Anon, I wanted to do it perfectly. And I couldn't figure out the perfect way to do it. So I heard about getting a sponsor. And the meeting I was going to was about a dozen people, mostly women, a couple of other guys. And I asked one of the women that I really liked what she shared if she would be my sponsor. And she patted me on the hand and she said, Sonny, that's not how we do it in Al-Anon. Men sponsor men and women sponsor women. You need to find a guy who has what you want and be willing to do what they did to get that. And I looked at the other two guys in that meeting and I go, I don't think so. About that time, I heard about the Saturday morning men's Al-Anon meeting at the NABA club. And I started going there and it was 50, 60, sometimes 70 men all Al-Anon, and I heard this one guy named Larry, and he was the most happy-go-lucky guy I had ever met. So I said, Larry, I want what you got. I want how to be happy-go-lucky. Would you help me work the fourth step? Because I just can't figure it out. And he said, sure, Patrick, I'll be glad to help you work the fourth step. And he said, but as soon as you and I work steps one, two, and three together, so I didn't know what I didn't know. And Larry and I started working step one. And the way Larry worked it is we'd met at Waffle House and we'd gift the ODAT book and look up the readings for step one. And we'd read a reading that's about step one and then we would discuss it. And then maybe we got around to a second reading on step one. And they says, okay, that's good for this week after two readings, and we'd go away a week, and we'd come back, and the next week we'd do a couple of more readings on step one. Do you know how many readings there are on step one in the ODAT? There's a lot. We were forever on step one in the ODAT, but I didn't know how powerless I was until I worked step one with Larry that started me on working the steps with a sponsor. Now, Larry was my first sponsor. I have had five other sponsors since then, and each one does the steps differently. And the one that I thought was most unique was my third sponsor. He had a theory that as when an alcoholic goes to a meeting drunk, they don't start working the steps with him drunk. They have to detox him first before they can work the steps. He said in Al-Anon, we come into Al-Anon emotionally 
drunk and that we need to do emotional detox. So he had a process that before we worked the step, we did an emotional detox. We would take Courage to Change, which was his favorite book, and we would go through five different topics. We would first do detachment. Then we would do boundaries. Then we would do expectations. Then we would do acceptance. And then we would do a Sponsee's Choice topic. And we would go through all the readings on those topics. And when we got done with that, then we started working the steps. And since then, I have also sponsored men. And sometimes I would do the Larry method. And sometimes I would do the second method with the emotional detox, especially with men who have been through the steps in another program. And I found that, yeah, they know the steps. But they don't realize that in Al-Anon, the credits don't transfer. But we have to go through the emotional detox. And then once we do that, then they're back at a level set for doing the steps. Like I say, I'm on my sixth sponsor, doing it differently each time, doing the four-step differently each time. And each time I did it, it was because I wanted to have what that sponsor had and was willing to do what he did to get it. Thank you. Thanks, Patrick, for uh, for that experience, strength, and hope, because it illuminates a different way of doing it. He doesn't really say when, what year, or whatever it was that, that he was doing it, but his sponsor took the ODAT book, and they went through all of the readings that were marked for step one and talk about them. And I guess it took a while to get through all of the step one's readings, and he says, I didn't know how powerless I was until I worked step one in this way. That's actually the way I've worked with sponsees, is to use Courage to Change, which has become my favorite book. And then he talks about emotional detox. I love the idea of the emotional detox. I think that's so true. We come into Al-Anon and we have so much to get through and to jump right into the steps is probably too much to do right away. I just started working with somebody new and I, I brought up step one in the conversation this is the second time I worked with a person in this way. And the first person I worked with that way, she just wasn't ready for it yet to talk about the steps. Yeah. She needed to talk mm -hmm. about what was going on, what she was feeling. Yeah. I thought I would speak briefly about my experience with the steps. The first time I came into the program and realized pretty quickly that to get what I wanted, which was some serenity in my life and some manageability in my life that it looked like what I needed to do was work the steps. And I didn't really understand why that was going to do what I wanted. Uh, but what I heard from people in the meetings was, yeah, this is what helped me. At the same time, I think I heard about this idea of what we called an AWOL group, a, a way of life or a way of living is an acronym, where as I understood it from talking to people, it was a small group of people who committed to each other to meet on a regular basis and work through the steps together. I had a sponsor, but I did not use my sponsor in that process because I had the group. And the group included at least a couple people who had some time in Al-Anon and were working the steps for Another time, I don't know what number, and I didn't. I don't think I even asked, oh, is this your second time, third time, whatever. So I had that guidance from the other members of the group, and that, I think, was really critical to me to, to doing it. And I probably could have done it in the same way with a sponsor, because 
one of the most important things was accountability that I had committed to meet weekly with this group, same time every week for an hour. We were working from this past recovery book. It took us a couple of years to get all the way through the steps in the book, but particularly in, in places like step four, I needed to hear the experience of other people. And I think it helped me with some of the earlier steps, like two and three, where I was struggling with the higher power concept, to really hear that different people have different ways of approaching some of these steps and that I can take what I like and leave the rest, as we say in our closing. So that really worked for me, and I've done that a couple more times, actually. All of the times that I've done that has been a really positive experience. I also worked step four with a sponsor separately once, and that was also helpful. I worked that with the Blueprint for Progress book, which, oh my. I've been for a while, this was quite a while ago, working the Blueprint for Progress book in a group, which is really hard. Tried it a couple of different ways, one of which was each tried answering the same question, or we'd, we'd say pick from one of these three questions or whatever. Mm-hmm. And unless you've had some time in the program, Blueprint for Progress is really hard. Yeah. One of my meetings, when I joined the meeting the group would typically split into two smaller tables. And once a month, one of the tables was working their way through the blueprint. So every first Saturday of the month, we we would look at maybe one or two questions from the blueprint. I think getting all the way through the book in that way, I was not there for the whole thing. I came in the middle, actually took over a decade, which probably not surprising given the size of the book. I don't think I'd done the blueprint when I came in. And my first thing when I sat down at that table was like to want to run away, but I stayed. And again, hearing other people who had the same or similar feelings and experiences was very helpful for me. I think sometimes we had people at the table who had not even gotten to step four when and maybe they didn't come back the next time they went to the other table where they were working one of the steps but it was an interesting experience and i've talked to eric who's an often contributor to the podcast i don't know if he still got it or not but he had a step four meeting where they were going through the blueprint i think one chapter every two weeks and there's 26 chapters so that works out to a year and they must have been doing the approach you had of picking a question that you want to speak to or something i don't know these things exist and at least from eric it sounds like it was it was a good meeting for him i also want to mention a, a probably the newest book reaching for personal freedom which does the 12 steps the 12 traditions and the 12 concepts yeah. and it's got a different perspective Because it talks about how the 12 traditions apply to your life. There's a group around here that has been working with that book, and they rave about it. I mentioned a couple of episodes ago that my meeting that was working the Blueprint for Progress now, it's a hybrid meeting. The online portion of the meeting we split into the in-person and the online after doing the opening together uh, is now working through that book, Reaching for Personal Freedom, today being Saturday for me, we actually started on Tradition 1. The way this book is structured is there's a general reading about the step or the tradition or the concept, 
And then there are sort of individual sharings like you might find in one of the daily readers. And so the first one is titled Common Welfare. And then after the sharing, there's usually one or more questions. And in this case, the question is, in what ways can I use tradition one with my family? Let me read the tradition. Our common welfare should come first. Personal progress for the greatest number depends upon unity. And so thinking about the common welfare of the family and unity and how um, I can apply this idea in my family. Then we each share our thoughts about that question. And then we move on to the next section, which has another short share and another question, which said, how does understanding the importance of my personal welfare change my relationships? As you say, it's an approach to studying the three legacies, as we call them, um, the steps, traditions, and concepts, but studying them in a way of looking how they apply in my life, in my relationships, rather than the traditions and the concepts, particularly which uh, we normally look at in the context of the Al-Anon group and the Al-Anon organizational structure as a whole. As I say, we're just starting on the traditions, and we'll see how that goes. Yeah, a few years ago, I was attending a, a meeting that did that. They rotated which book they used. And actually, the, my, the home group that I now belong to is going to start in January using that book instead of the Pass to Recovery, which will, I'll be interested because I've only used it a spot check. I've only used it occasionally. The meeting that I'm talking about is a step meeting and uses the reading and Pass to Recovery for each of the steps. And after... I think almost a decade of attending that meeting. I'm getting a little tired of some of the readings, to be honest. As a friend of mine said, if I hear about those frogs on the lily pad one more time, I'm going to throw up. Yeah, that's why the, this group I'm talking about is switching. Yeah. It's going to be up to the leader to choose one of the books. Oh, okay. Um, Interesting. In, instead of it being always past to recovery that's going to be your choice past recovery or reaching for personal freedom. And maybe it also, I wasn't at the business meeting they do, that they discussed this at, but they may be open to other books as well. I'm not sure. There's a lot of literature out there now. There is. And I also, I want to mention the book, how we understood for helping people work step two. A lot of people that I work with say, oh, I don't really believe in God. I don't have a higher power. And the little blue book, has some really neat readings on how different people came to understand their higher power. I think I've seen this. It, again, it's not one that has been, I think, stocked in the meetings locally. It seems like it's been around for a while because it's B11. Yeah, it is older. And it's got lots of stories about people having spiritual awakenings and working through their definition of a higher power. I will put a link to that book in the Al-Anon bookstore in our show notes at therecovery.show slash 405. I'd like to read this email from Charlotte. Charlotte writes, I'm based in the UK, and the majority of my recovery has been via the online meetings and Al-Anon app, partly because of the pandemic and partly because it just works for me. The global electronic area is my home area, and Alafam, I haven't seen that before, Alafam, I'm currently on step five. I have found my sponsor to be invaluable to me and my ability to work the steps. I'm someone who needs external accountability to keep commitments to myself. My sponsor's gentle, loving, program-based regular contact has been crucial to me and made it much harder for me to drift away into isolation or denial again, especially in hard times. My sponsor lives in the USA. 
HP brought us together on the app, so initially we did our work via email. I set up a new email address that didn't contain my name, which helped me feel I was maintaining my anonymity and safety. Over time, we have moved to using WhatsApp texts and now WhatsApp phone calls. Our general approach has been guided by her own experience of working the steps, but also drawing on ideas we like from hearing others share and tools from ACA. My sponsor encouraged me to read widely around the steps. So for step one, for example, I would look at the index, read lots slash all of the readings on step one, powerlessness, unmanageable, etc. We call this index diving. I used the three main daily readers, How Elanon Works, Survival to Recovery, Paths to Recovery, Reaching for Personal Freedom, the ACA Big Book, etc. It felt like learning and marinating in the step. I then used some of the questions from the books to guide my journaling and sharing and thinking. Initially, I found it hard to know when I was done with a step, but what I've realized with my sponsor's help is that it's not about being done. With her guidance and my HP, it just becomes apparent that I'm ready to move on to the next step. It's important for me to release my need or expectation of perfection or complete completion. That's part of my healing. For step four, I found the Blueprint for Progress book to be invaluable in addition to the others. But again, I haven't completed it. I tend toward being overly self-critical, so I really needed my sponsor's support in not getting lost in self-criticism and self-hatred on this step. When I got stuck, she helped me simplify it to a list of five fears, five resentments, and five character traits, and that allowed me to keep going. I continue to work on this step with lots of self-compassion using the Blueprint book and attending a meeting which focuses on a question a day from that book. That's been so helpful. The other important aspect of working the steps for me is to incorporate them into my daily life, especially one, two, and three. The Serenity Prayer helps me do that multiple times a day. This is getting quite long, so I'll end here. Thanks for the opportunity to reflect on this and share. It's connected me with immense gratitude. I guess my main reflection is, for me, a sponsor chosen by my higher power has been key, and working them in a non-perfect way has helped me so much to truly embrace progress, not perfection, in my recovery and my life. Much love to you all, fellow podcast community, Charlotte. Thanks for sharing that, Charlotte. And again, another way of working there's a lot of thoroughness there that I think I would get lost in, but apparently it worked for Charlotte. Yeah, working with a sponsor is critical. But one of the things I discovered from reading some of the ACA literature is they talk about instead of a sponsor, working with a fellow traveler. Right. Yeah. And I, I love that. I think that's such a neat idea. With me having been in the program for so long, it's really hard for me to find a sponsor. But the idea of working with a fellow traveler is just, I think, priceless. That That makes a lot of sense. And also, speaking of the ACA literature, it's not Elanon Conference approved, but sometimes for some of us, we need the literature that is outside of Elanon for our personal growth. I used a lot of non-program literature at various points in my recovery because they helped me maybe to understand myself or to give me some tools that I wasn't finding in Elanon. The only thing that the program asks of us is that we not bring that back into our meetings that we not shared as if it was Elanon literature in, in particular. Yeah, exactly. As I've been talking about this topic with people and telling people that I'm going to be on it and asking for any suggestions that they have, one of the double winners, AA member and Al-Anon member, who's a dedicated Al-Anon member, talked about how he used the AA big book process 
to do the Al-Anon steps. With regards to that, could you read this short note from Kate? Sure. Hello, Spencer. The first time I worked the steps, I readied myself for each step by reading about the step in Al-Anon literature, listening to the podcast episodes around the step I was on, and talking about that particular step in meetings. Eventually, I would get to the point where I would feel ready to move on to the next step. When this happened, I would meet with my sponsor and tell her I was ready to start the next step. Sometimes she would agree, and sometimes she would suggest some more work, usually in the form of writing. I did this for all the steps, with the exception of step four. My sponsor asked me to read about step four in the AA Big Book and make the columns described there. Happy holidays. Kate. I've heard a lot of Al-Anon members talk about working step four using the process described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, even though... Officially, that's not conference-approved literature, and I haven't done... I actually, I think I tried to start a fear inventory because I was struggling with some fear of financial insecurity. I tried to do it on my own, and I didn't get very far with that, but it seemed like it might be a helpful way to approach it because the questions about fear that I found in the Al-Anon literature at the time weren't helping me. I think I did get a little bit of a of an understanding of... of what was going on with me there. It is a practice that a lot of people in the program do use. And the early Al-Anon, there was no literature. That's all they had. So that's what they did. I listened to a lot of what I still call speaker tapes, even though none of them are on tape anymore, nor generally CD. They're usually MP3s, right? Right. Particularly what I'll call the long timers. A lot of them, you're right, when they came into the program, there wasn't all this literature that we have now. There wasn't all this guidance. And I guess at that time, using the Alcoholics Anonymous book was much more acceptable. I wasn't there then, so I can't say for sure, but that's what I hear in in some of these shares by people who've been in the program a long time. Yeah, I've heard of one of those shares also. And as I said, I came in 1988, and there was only two books and some pamphlets. I think it was more acceptable then than it is now. Yeah. The meeting that was my home group for many years until my life circumstances changed and I I wasn't able to attend it in our group conscience said we would accept reading from the AA big book in that meeting, which tradition for each group was autonomous. autonomous. Thank you. That meeting had a number of people with long serenity, long time in the program. And so I think that that probably had something to do with it, that they had used that. All right. I have another email here from Deborah, who wishes us happy holidays, and says, I first barreled through the steps on my own by reading all the literature related to each step. I don't recommend this as an effective way to embody the steps. However, it did give me an academic level of understanding just not truly taking the steps into my heart and way of living. My next time through, I spent a year working the steps with my sponsor. She guided me and shared her experience, strength, and hope as we moved through the steps. For my fourth step, I have completed the blue workbook several times. I learn more about myself each time. One of my favorite Friday meetings uses the last Friday of every month to do a deep dive in the corresponding step. First step every January, etc. We have done this for ten, the last 10 years or more. I love hearing how others use and embrace the step we are focused on. I learn something new every month. 
Blessings to you and your family for a joy-filled 2024. And I'll say, I'm just going to pass that on to everybody who's listening. Deborah C. in Florida. The academic understanding. I spent most of my life in academia. And yeah, read it, understand it, intellectualize it. And I think I figured out fairly early in the program that that was not the way that I needed to work Al-Anon. I talked about reading how Al-Anon works cover to cover, and I'm sure I did. But what I also did with that book, which is something that is totally not my way of dealing with literature, is I would jump back to the stories very quickly, very early, um, because it was the stories that gave me a little bit of hope a little bit of peace in those times when I wasn't sleeping, when my brain was just running full speed and I needed to stop it. Reading about somebody's personal experience when they are somebody completely different from me, dealing with an alcoholic was completely different from the alcoholic in my life, doesn't help with the academic understanding, but it sure helped with the heart part. Any thoughts about uh, Deborah's share? It makes me think about using the As We Understood book, because that's exactly what the, that book does. It does the heart for how people have had spiritual awakenings. It's a great way to work on step two, like I said, and also step 12. Mm-hmm. Have you worked through the whole steps more than once? I haven't done it formally more than once, no. And I didn't do it with a sponsor. As I said, my early sponsors, what we did was deal with the problems, and then they would tell me what step applied. We worked the step that way as it applied to the various different problems that I had. And then by the time we had the literature we have now, I'd worked the steps a number of times. So this is new for me, applying the steps to a real life problem when problems come up. Yeah. It's become a crucial tool for me anytime I have a problem to think about what steps apply and to work through the steps. I, I do it pretty regularly these days. I remember before the podcast, I was helping a friend with his recovery podcast, which was mostly AA-focused, but I was bringing some Al-Anon perspective to it for a while. We started doing a thing where we would go out and talk to somebody else in recovery about whatever the topic of the podcast was going to be that week. I remember meeting with a fellow Al-Anon member. I don't remember what the topic was for that week, but I so distinctly remember her saying, when I have a problem, I first work step four on it. And I thought, how does that work? Oh, what does that mean? Okay. And I was almost 10 years in Al-Anon at that point. You know how it is when you read something in the literature and you see it's there for the first time, they must've changed the book since the last time you read it. Yes. I might've heard somebody talk about working step four on a problem in their life, but it wasn't until that moment that it like lit up in my brain as whoa, this is a thing. And it, for me, then opened up a new way of starting to apply those steps in my daily life. Like, oh, when something happens in my life that I don't understand why it happened or how it happened or how the outcome or whatever, I can do an inventory. It took me a lot of practice to actually be able to do that well, but it was this new concept. That actually was Swetha who helped actually establish the podcast for the first almost year of, of its life. And I'm eternally grateful to her for that. And also for this idea of working step four, working all of the steps on a, just one thing, like very focused. Yeah, it's been a, a tremendous lift for me in the last year or so. 
I don't have active alcoholism in my life anymore. I actually haven't since I came into the program. I'm lucky that way. But we're still dealing with the after effects of, of alcoholism. So stuff comes up all the time. And life just happens. Yeah. And all the other dysfunctional people and situations in your life. I'm listening to a couple of podcasts that are ACA-focused. ACA, Adult Children of Alcoholics, and Dysfunctional Families. So it started out adult children of alcoholics, and then at some point they added and dysfunctional families, recognizing that the effect on the children in a family is very similar, whether it's alcohol or some other dysfunction that's affecting their life. And yeah, I have used these steps in all kinds of dysfunctions. Yeah. You know, the core of step four is figuring out what's your part in it. It sounds daunting when you say step four, but really, what is your part yep, in it? Yep. What was going on with me when this happened? And like, what percentage of it was mine? Yeah. Yeah. Like, is it 1% or is it 30% or is it 50% or is it 80%? But, but even if it's 1%, understanding my contribution can help me to not go there the next time. Exactly. We call it well, keeping your side of the street clean. Right? Exactly. Yes. All right. I want to read this from Mary Lou. She says, I have three basic ways that I work the steps. The first was more formal, meeting with a sponsor on a regular basis, using my written responses to the Pathways to Recovery book questions. That was a long process, and it took the better part of a couple of years. Now, having completed that to the best of my abilities, other issues have sprung up. Or maybe it's more like I'm ready to deal with issues that I'd hidden away from even myself. As they have come up, I have taken the opportunity to do written inventories that I discuss with my sponsor. Technically, these involve all 12 steps, but usually emphasize the fourth and or ninth steps, focused on my part in painful aspects of my life and how to address them, finances, employment, work relationships, and specific relationships, including with the qualifiers in my life. I honestly can't say enough about how doing formal inventories has helped me to heal from the disease of alcoholism. I strongly recommend them, especially to anyone who's grown up with a disease like I did. It was so challenging to see how it affected me, but well, worth it. Finally, I don't do a formal daily inventory, but I do try to build in time to reflect on a regular basis and when I'm struggling with something. It's helpful to consider what step is most relevant. Usually, it begins with step one, something I'm powerless over and I'm having a difficult time accepting. Then, a quick run-through of the rest of the steps, either by myself, with Al-Anon friends, or sometimes with my sponsor, is extremely helpful acknowledging that I need help, identifying my part, sitting with that truth, recognizing where that lack of acceptance comes from, and usually making an amends to myself and anyone else I need to. This process is usually much quicker than the first time around. Sometimes it's only a week or so. For me, the first time through the steps, I struggled with just recalling exactly what happened. So often I half-remembered what happened, usually glossing over my contribution and focusing on my resentments. That's where my initial step is to just write down what I think happened. Often this is based on something someone described in a meeting that stays with me. Writing it down really helps me to get the thing that's bothering me outside of myself, where I'm able to really consider whether my memory is accurate or not. Often I ask myself if there's another way of interpreting what I think actually happened. I do some version of what I've described in working with sponsees. Just to give a more specific example, I've been struggling with a current relationship and what might euphemistically be called helping. I've learned that 
This character defect falls into the fix, manage, and control acquired in childhood, mostly as a way to help myself feel better in the many uncertain situations I found myself in. Fix your life so I can feel better. As a result of my first fourth step, I'm aware that fear can compel me to insert myself into situations that aren't my business. In this case, this friend has regularly been sharing her qualifier's descent into the disease and the attendant consequences. It's very scary how bad it's gotten, and I actually fear for her safety. I've shared this with her, but to my view, she's in serious denial about how bad the situation has gotten. I'm in a stage of my own recovery where, after we talk, her situation continues to bother me. In some cases, I've lain awake worrying about her situation. In talking with my sponsor and an Elanon friend, I've ascertained that there's nothing I can do, but I continue to feel bad for a long time after we talk. In considering how I got here, I didn't actually seek out this situation. Instead, I was continuously invited in and eventually sucked in wholesale. Now, due to Elanon, I can see myself clearly as being out of my depth. At least it wasn't a decade before I recognized it. As an adult, I know that no one needs me to be an expert. My worth isn't actually tied to my ability to insert myself into a given situation, especially if it's not any of my business. I can acknowledge my powerlessness over the situation and recognize that I'm needing help for how just hearing about the situation makes me feel. I'm also thinking now about how I could cultivate some compassion for myself for being in this familiar situation again. An Elanon friend often talks about the comfort of putting on old slippers even as we know that they're not really even good for me anymore. If I were speaking to someone else, I would say, really, are you even surprised that you gravitate to old behaviors? Like, what else would you do in stressful situations? I love that. (laughs) Thanks, Mary Lou. So much in there, and I love how she comes in with applying the steps to situations that we've just been talking about. Yeah, and I see a spiritual awakening there. As she's written about it, she's seen something new about it, mm-hmm. which is what a spiritual awakening is, an aha. That is a spiritual awakening sometimes, isn't it? Yes, an aha moment. And I think that I'm going to digress for a moment here, because when we get to step 12 and we say spiritual awakening, I know that when I hear that, I think about the the white light situation that Bill Wilson describes in Alcoholics Anonymous book. For me, that wasn't what happened. And I think for so many of us, that's not what happened. And we have a gradual awakening, but there were some aha moments in there. And so I, I love noticing that, yeah, that actually can be part of a spiritual awakening. Or it can be a small spiritual awakening. I think every time I look at a situation differently, every time I am willing to make a change, that's part of my spiritual awakening. That is a mini spiritual awakening. Next email came from Joe. That's J-O. My sponsor said, we don't work on fears, we work on faith and apply it in the areas we need to. I used the Paths to Recovery book for steps one, two, and three, reading the passages, then answering the questions and reading the answers out loud to my sponsor. When I felt ready to begin step four, my sponsor explained that we would use the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, as this is the way that she was taken through the steps. She was a double winner, meaning she had both AA and Al-Anon sponsorship. However, it was her Al-Anon sponsor who had used this method. I completed the fear and sex inventory as instructed in the text and wrote a list of all persons I had resentments toward. However, I was instructed to choose only my top 10 resentments or persons from this list. 
for specifying the resentment itself. The columns are what happened and which area of self it affected. It was good not to dwell on the less important resentments, but I wasn't sure if a top 10 was thorough enough. The thing I found more unusual was then categorizing the resentment into one of four very broad categories, which were not directly referred to in the big book text as far as I could tell, although they made sense at the time. And those four categories, not trusting in God, center of the universe, old ideas, fear of not being enough. I'm going to pause here for a moment because I have not seen this list of categories before, but they speak to me. Yeah, I've never seen this either, and they're very useful, I think. Yeah. Continuing, vastly different resentments often came down to a simple fear of not being enough or a sense that things should be different, i.e. center of the universe or not trusting in God. They did seem useful umbrella terms for my fears. My step five was reading out these resentments and categorizing them with my sponsor. As per the big book, I said a prayer and surrendered these fears to God. This was a freeing experience, but when I moved back to step six in the past recovery book, I felt as if it didn't align well because this referred to assets I should have, that's in quotes, become aware of in step four and five, which hadn't really been covered by the big book. Sadly, at this time, my sponsor also decided she was no longer able to take me further through the steps due to a time commitment issue. I was able to say the steps six and seven prayer with her from the big book and felt quite safe and held to be able to slowly answer the paths to recovery questions from steps six and seven in my own time without a sponsor. I haven't yet found a new sponsor or moved on to step eight because I feel I do need accountability for this and wonder what a sponsor will make of my previous step work whether I may need to repeat it in a more traditional Al-Anon way. It will be interesting to hear if other Al-Anon members have had experience of these categories using the big book or a step journey that was disrupted. Thanks again for asking and for all you do, Spencer. Warm wishes, Joe in London, England. That brings up a new sort of topic, which is what if you don't make it through the steps with your sponsor and you feel like you need a new sponsor? What's going to happen when you start with that new sponsor. I have one experience from the point of view of a sponsor, which is one of my sponsees, I forget what happened with his Al-Anon sponsor, moved away probably, and this was back in the day when meeting in person was definitely the thing we did. We started by going through his step four results, basically doing step five together as sort of his introduction of himself to me I had known him from meetings, so I knew some of his story already. So that was my experience, was that we started with step four. When I was switching sponsors, because I was picking up a number of sponsees who were double winners, and I wanted a sponsor who was himself a double winner and maybe could help guide me to be a better sponsor to those people, he wanted to basically start back at step one. And then he moved across the country, so we didn't finish that. Those are my two experiences from both perspectives, I guess. Have you run into this situation or have any experience with this question about new sponsor? As I've been listening, I'm realizing that early in the program for me, the emphasis with working with a sponsor on the steps was to use the sponsor for steps four and five. Okay. And that you really didn't have to go through all the steps with a sponsor back in the 90s. I guess I have a couple of 
thoughts about that that in one case comes from my experience working with a double winner, somebody who was in AA and then came to Al-Anon because he was having trouble wanting to control his loved ones using. It was really, I think, important for him to work through step one in Al-Anon because what he was powerless over was something completely different from what he had done in AA. And then in working step three, which he said, you know, I did this in AA, I'm, I'm good with my higher power. I asked him the question, are you able to leave your loved one's recovery to her higher power? And he said, no, I'm not. Do you trust her higher power? He says, no, I don't. So for him, it was really important to work that step in, in Al-Anon. This person I'm working with now, I feel like it has been helpful for them to, we're just starting into step four, but to go through those earlier steps. And they did a lot of work on their own, but then they could come back and say, so there's this part of step three, there's this question in the Paths to Recovery book that I don't understand what it's asking me. I don't understand how to address it. And then we could talk about that. That relates, I think, to what some of the people we read earlier have talked about. They would go off and do readings, then they'd come back and their sponsor would help them understand what they had read. Yeah, I think so many of our problems are due to not really understanding what we're powerless over, which is mm -hmm. step one. And sponsors are really helpful in that, whether you're formally yeah. working step one yeah. or you're just getting awareness of what you're powerless over, which is working step one, even if you don't call it that. And I think you need another person for that. So I definitely agree that, that sponsors can be helpful. Okay. Francis sent us a voice memo. Hello, Spencer and Recovery Show. This is Francis from the West Coast. I wanted to share about my experience working the steps and with sponsorship. I had asked someone to be my sponsor. And when I asked her, she said that her norm and the way that she does sponsorship is that sponsorship is for working the steps. And that was the way that she sponsors. And if I was ready to work the steps, then she was ready to explore that with me. At the time, I wasn't ready. I was training for a marathon and life was just really chaotic. My loved one was active in disease and I said I needed some more time. So after I ran the marathon, I came back to her and said, okay, does the offer still stand? And so we Met, out, met over coffee to just get to know each other a little bit more and then began working the steps. She asked certain things of me as her sponsee. She asked that I attend meetings once a week and engage in literature daily. She said that we would keep going as long as I was working the steps continuously. The way that we worked the steps is we used paths to recovery. We would read the chapter together and underline and talk about things that were particularly meaningful for us. Then I would go on my own and answer the questions in my journal. I would come back to our meetings together and read aloud my responses to my sponsor. And then she would respond with her experience and feedback. After I completed each step, she would invite me to mark the step, mark my completion of that in some way or celebrate myself in some way. It could be as simple as going on a hike or going someplace special or making myself a musical playlist or even something like a massage or a pedicure. As for the fourth step, the way that we worked it was 
I answered the questions in Pastor Recovery and read those aloud to her. Also, she asked that I make a life timeline as I went along of significant events in my life as just a way of cataloging things that happened to me. And then as part of the fifth step, I went back over the fourth and fifth step and looked at patterns of my behaviors, especially of character defects as a way of then helping with step six and seven. But looking at those patterns and it's, and as step five, sharing that with myself and with my higher power and with another person, it was part of that to look back and see and notice the patterns and see the patterns and then to be able to distill down what are the character defects that I want my higher power to remove. I've completed the steps. I've worked through step 12. Hooray. I've only worked the steps once and now I'm leading a sponsee through the steps using the same method. My own personal process got derailed quite a bit during pandemic, as I know that threw off many people, but I kept at it. It slowed me down, but I stayed with it. And that's what my sponsor kept saying to me is you just are still going. It doesn't matter how fast you go, but the fact that you're still going, she was willing to work with me on it. That is my experience working the steps. And I hope that is helpful for the recovery show and to share my own experience. Thanks. Thanks for that, Francis. Some things that stepped out for me when you talked about your sponsor asking certain things of you. I've heard this before, but I never really thought about it for my own self until I attended a panel on sponsorship at the Al-Anon International Convention. And one of the speakers was just adamant about saying, look, if I'm going to sponsor you, these are the things I need you to do. And if you're not willing to do those things, then I can't be your sponsor. I'd had to think about how that applies to me as a sponsor. I haven't done that explicitly. I have made it pretty clear to people that ask me to be their sponsor that I expect that we will work the steps. And then after that, we can continue to have that connection. But we got to start out by working the steps because that is, and this is my personal opinion, but I feel that's the primary role of a sponsor is to help the people that I'm working with get through the steps. Francis is talking about how a sponsor can help you see and notice the patterns in your life mm-hmm. to drill down into the character defect. And I think that's a key role that sponsors can do or fellow travelers as ACA yes. is about. It doesn't need to be a sponsor. I'm thinking about setting up what your expectations are for being a sponsor. I once had a sponsee who wasn't able to follow through with commitments. That was a condition that I set. You're going to have a phone call at four o'clock and you're off with your husband somewhere and you didn't let me know. I'm sorry. I can't sponsor you. Yeah. All right. Can you read the note from Pam? Sure. I got a sponsor after a few years in the program. She suggested we use the books Gaining Personal Freedom to work the steps together. So I would answer the questions on each step, except step four, and we would go over my answers together. Step four took me the longest, about a year, to work on using the workbook Blueprints for Progress. I usually talk to her once a week for about an hour. I recently finished step 12, and this is my first time through the steps. Her help was invaluable to me as I wasn't successful in trying to complete the steps myself. So again, the help of a sponsor in working through the steps was, I think, critical for Pam. I think she means reaching for personal freedom. 
She said gaining yeah. personal freedom, but I think she meant reaching yeah. for personal freedom. And then Blueprint for Progress. It took me about a year, I think, to get through that book when I did it. And I was working on it about an hour a week for what that's worth. <laughs> a voice memo from Andrea came in this morning. Hi, Spencer. Thanks for your service and for asking the thought-provoking questions about working the steps. Right now, what's working for me so far in working the steps is using the book Paths to Recovery. It's a tan-looking book. Recently, on step four, I added the workbook that goes with it. It's blue. I like how the workbook has questions and blanks to fill in and Often, I have more words than space, but that helps me keep things moving along. At first, I wasn't using the workbook and wound up writing a full dissertation in a regular notebook. While I loved how I was able to be thorough with these open-ended questions, it was just bogging me down. Once I started using the workbook, step four was much easier. Right now, I've done the work and answered the questions for step four. Now I'm going through and sharing my answers with my sponsor. And I wish I could say that step four was a breeze, but to be honest, I've been on this step for almost two years. I hope that people don't get discouraged by that. I was just hoping to breeze through it and then had some resistance to actually starting it at first. It seemed scary. And then once I did start Step four, I got bogged down with the answers, and then I even moved twice in the past 12 months, and that was a big distraction too. I know it's not a race with anyone, and I have to keep reminding myself that it's progress, not perfection, and to just be happy that I'm moving in the right direction, even if it's not as fast as I wanted. Slow recovery is just fine. I'm working on the steps with a sponsor, and I find that I'm more honest with myself when she asks me questions and where we can go deeper into the answers. It's also working better for me to meet with her in person. Even though it's a bit uncomfortable at times, it's not as hard as I originally thought. One thing that makes it more enjoyable is that I invite her to my house, and we enjoy a cup of coffee on the patio to go through it. Now that the holidays are over, I'm looking forward to scheduling another meeting with her soon. Hopefully this gives some hope to someone else out there who's working step four. Thanks, Andrea, for sharing your experience, mostly about step four, which, honest to goodness, is certainly the step that looked the the scariest to me when I came in. I don't know, step nine is right up there with it. Using the workbook that goes with past recovery. There actually is a separate workbook for past recovery that has the questions, but then leaves space to, to fill in. Some of the people in one of my AWOL groups used that. I personally wrote in blank journals. Step four in past recovery has about, I think, 50 questions as opposed to the 90 something pages in blueprint. So it's uh, a little more gentle. <laughs> And it's also organized where first you go through your assets and then you go through your shortcomings. And that, I think, for some people can be helpful to to start on looking at shortcomings after they've said, oh, there is some good stuff, too. And she says, I wish I could say step four was a breeze. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I would. <laughs> not going to breeze through it, but I would say for me, the first time I did step four with the group, 
in the whole, it was a really positive experience. It was not what my fears had made of it. Thanks for the that more lighthearted look maybe at step four, Andrea. And we have one more from Mary. Mary says, Spencer, so happy you're back. I discovered your recovery show shortly after I discovered Al-Anon over four years ago. The programs have been my survival, helping me through the darkest time of my life. Not exaggerating. Midlife crisis, a failed 35-year marriage, 78 years old, learning new ways to live. I had a temporary sponsor for a while. I have not done the steps, more or less hop, skip, and jump through them by attending regular Al-Anon meetings, YouTube, and our conference-approved literature. Four months ago, two Al-Anon friends and I started working step four with the workbook Blueprint for Progress. We meet every other Monday. I truly understand how important the steps are to recovery. The December Forum had a little article that helped me sort, categorize, and remember them. One to three, I give up. Four to six, I own up. Seven to nine, I make up. Ten to twelve, I keep up. Blessings, Mary from Washington. Yeah, I've seen the steps broken down in groups that is has been a helpful way of thinking about them sometimes. And I'm glad to hear that at 78 years, you can learn new ways to live. I'm about 10 years away from that still, but I hope to make it there and I hope to still be learning. Thanks, Mary. Any thoughts on Mary's note? Yeah, I think there's a reading in Hope for Today that, that talks about that categorization, but I think that's a useful way to, to look at the categories of the steps. We have made it through. Talk about the music that you chose. I chose my favorite song from when I was in college by Roberta Flack called Killing Me Softly. And I didn't realize until I started to pick music for this show why it was so important to me. I had a bad breakup with a a boyfriend when I was in college, which I now realize through the work I've been doing was a major event in my life, which changed the course of my life. And the song captures how I felt then. This was one of the parts of my life that set me up to marry an alcoholic, even though I didn't grow up with alcoholism. I now understand why I like this song so much. In this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives and recovery. How have we experienced recovery recently? The first here, this month. It's been a journey for me in learning how to be in relationship with my wife as I move into retirement. And I no longer have the 40 hours a week distraction of work and 40 hours a week of enforced apart time. We now have the opportunity of being together 24-7. Even though I've been working from home for the last three and a half years, it's still different. It's still more together. When we were talking about Tradition 1 this morning, and let me find that question again, in what ways can I use Tradition 1 with my family? I've been reflecting on the ways in which, you know, and I used to have to do this at work, too, of putting aside my own wants in support of the work or in support of the family activities, what we need as a family, what we needed as a work team. I might have had some things I wanted to do, but those weren't necessarily the things that I needed to do. And the same thing is true here. And a lot of it for me is about attitude. I'll be just chilling because that's what I 
trying to do more of in retirement. And my wife will come and say, hey, could you do this? Or we need to do this. And you know what my first reaction in my head is? Man, I'm sitting here reading my book or playing solitaire on my phone, okay? And this is the most important thing right now. And you're interrupting me. What I try to say is, okay, or I can do that later. I think this is my new challenge in recovery. And for the last several years, I was talking about acceptance and powerlessness, particularly as my parents were reaching the end of their lives. And now I'm needing to practice uh, acceptance in a different way. So it's still one of those key program principles that I need to keep practicing. And, and with that, I'll pass to you. What this question makes me think of is um, something that happened in the past three months. I have a cousin who I never had a good relationship with. As a matter of fact, I basically didn't talk to him for a few years. My sister would invite him to holiday events and I would just ignore him. And I decided that I really needed to make an effort with him. For the last couple of holidays, I thought of questions to start a conversation with him. And it didn't work great, but it worked better than ignoring him. <laughs> and then yeah. in October, he got very ill. And within a month, he was dead. I really had to work my program with him for this situation because he, he didn't have anybody closer than the two of us. And my sister really wanted to take on a lot of responsibilities. And I have physical limitations that she doesn't have and also live further away. And I really had to think about what I wanted to do for him that I could do and where I wanted to draw the boundaries. And as I discovered more and more about him, he probably was a gambling addict and he also was a hoarder. She and I had power of attorney and it was really a lot of work. It was really a lot of work. But I felt glad that I had made an effort to develop that relationship with him. I was able to bring some skills that I have, some knowledge from my former career about how to deal with the medical challenges he was facing. I went to the doctor with him. I dealt with various different paperwork things. And I feel like I was working my program as hard as I could with him. And I was pretty proud of myself for doing it differently than I would have done before program. Thank you. Karen, you told me that you have a newsletter that you write about mending relationships. Thanks, Spencer. Yeah, I do want to let everybody know about this newsletter that I write on Substack called Mending Fractured Relationships. It came out of some other work that I'd been doing, and I realized that the Al-Anon principles apply to other aspects besides alcoholics. We apply this throughout our lives, and there are many people who aren't working the 12 steps who could benefit from information about how to build better relationships, and also that there's knowledge outside of the 12-step rooms that was useful. So I'm drawing from a lot of different sources, anthropologists, psychologists, obviously, people who are in peace work, and I try to write a post every week, although I haven't been as successful lately to keep it up every week, for principles that people can apply to their lives to improve their relationships. And some of them you'll recognize from Alan, and some of them aren't. I'll ask Spencer to put a link in the show notes for that. It's called Mending Fractured Relationships. Okay. Let's talk about the second song that you chose. The second song is When I Let It Go by Sierra. When I heard this song years ago, I thought it captured a key concept of recovery, which is really the essence of the first three steps. 
which is also captured in the slogans, Let Go and Let God. I just love this song. The next episode that I'm going to put together is a whole bunch of listener feedback from 2023, which I got way behind on. And the only way I can really catch up is to put it all together into an episode, which is going to be called something like listening to you. So we can look forward to that. I'm not asking for new contributions for that episode. However, you can join our conversation if you want to share more of your experience, strength, and hope about working the steps, or if you have other questions or feedback, please leave a voicemail or send an email. And Karen, how can people do that? You can send a voice memo or email to feedback at the recovery.show. Or if you prefer, you can call and leave us a voicemail at 734-707-8795. You can use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your computer. We'd love to hear from you. Share your experience, strength, and hope, or your questions about today's topic of working the steps. If you have a topic you'd like us to talk about, please let us know. If you would like advance notice for some of our topics so that you can contribute to that topic, you can sign up for a mailing list by sending an email to feedback at the recovery.show. Put email in the subject line to make it easier to spot. Our website is the recovery.show and a number of other aliases. It has all the information about the show, including the notes for each episode. So this one is at the recovery.show slash 405. It has links to the books that we read from or talked about videos for the music and so on. So check out the website. And if you're wanting to refer somebody to the podcast, the easiest way to do that might be to refer them to the website. Again, the recovery.show. And there's a page of buttons to subscribe or follow in your favorite uh, podcast application. I am not including additional listener feedback today. We got plenty of that already. And as I said, I'm going to have another episode with the rest of what came in 2023 that I haven't gotten to yet. That'll be coming out next. Karen, I want to thank you for suggesting this topic and coming and helping me with this really good conversation about different ways of working the steps. And what is your last song? My last song is Room at the Table by Carrie Newcomer which you can listen to at the recovery.show slash 405. I love this song by Carrie Newcomer because it captures one of the lessons for me of the program is that everyone is welcome and everyone has something to contribute. Thank you. Thank you for listening and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time.